everyone, welcome back to Hair of the Werewolf. I'm Lily and I have with me... Chase, what's up guys? So we are a paranormal podcast. We like telling each other scary stories, hanging out, have a few drinks, and basically, yeah, try to scare the shit out of each other. It's the best way to end <laughs> a really hard week. Exactly. So if you guys have a quote-unquote hangover work week, then we are the cure. We're here to distract you, have fun, and scare the pants off of you as well. So yeah, so what do we have today, Chase? What are we doing today? Well, first off, because I think the best way to end every week is with a beer. <laughs> I am drinking a trusty Smittix because we still have leftover beer from St. Patty's. We did. We could not get through it. Well, I mean, it was just you and me. And <laughs> right. we, bought, we, we bought the kind of beer we did for parties we used to throw. And I was like, just you and me. You so know, we still had like 90% of our beer. I almost feel like it was just like our habit. We're uh-huh. like, we got to buy all this beer. Obviously, all these people that are not going to be there. And now we have a lot of Guinness. I mean, yeah. What did we buy? We bought a bottle of Jameson. Yeah. Two six packs and a tw- so we bought two six packs, one of extra stout, one of Smittix, and a twelve pack of regular Guinness. And then we had other alcohol still at in the house home. at home. Yeah, like other beers. I mean, that's enough to kill an elephant. <laughs> and it was they just haven't the t- met. It was me. just the two of us drinking, so we still had quite a lot of beer left over. And I think so- at some point, true to form, at the end of the night, we were like, can't even function. We're like, let's just take a shot. But it's still- which is the worst thing ever. But it is still March, and I am 100% okay <laughs> with March being nothing but Irish beers. Yes. So, Let's, so cheers. cheers to that. Still good. <laughs> awesome. So, so uh, recently oh, we had a we had a question from one of our from one of our good friends. She asked us. She's like, "What is the scariest movie streaming on?" And then she listed. I think it was like Amazon, Hulu, and oh, yeah. Netflix. And I think it's because she was in the mood for a scary movie and she just wanted to know what was like the best thing available and for that free. Was, yeah, that's it. So, so shout out to Alex. Hey, Alex. Um, and so we, you and me actually struggled for a few minutes because we were trying to find out what was available on there because we know what our scariest movies are. Uh-huh. But it's so hard to find, like, some of the best scary movies, they know how good they are and they're like, we're not going to be free anywhere. And it gets they even really worse aren't. closer to October. Yeah. But thankfully, The Conjuring is on... Uh, like Netflix or something or Amazon. Um, yeah, it definitely hits a lot of your triggers. Um, there's yeah. like a basement. There's like demons and or witch, evil witchcraft kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. possessions, possessions, and, and yeah, stuff exactly. And, and and kids that are not only scary themselves but being scared. That's that stuff grinds <laughs> on my gears a bit. And so, so we obviously mentioned that. We also mentioned it follows, which is I think what she actually watched, if I'm not mistaken. Which triggers me. Um, it it yeah it, it triggers Lily. I think it's scary. I don't think it's top five scariest, but I think it's top five possibly best horror films ever made. It's just like it's a just so wonderful good. movie. It just it's got like high quality yeah. production and um, yeah, I just it, I love I, it. I would describe the movie as dread as opposed to jump scares or or there fear, are or many jump scares and any quote unquote jump scares that you might see are real scares. Mm-hmm. Like something really is happening. It's not like a cat came out of a cabinet or something it's it's real i was sad that my second favorite or second scariest movie and one of my favorite scary movies it's called the orphanage is <laughs> not anywhere for free and i hate recommending is it, it even available to even rent I don't uh, you even can know. buy it on amazon oh, streaming okay. yeah i get nervous uh recommending it because when i first saw it and i recommend it to people a lot of people thought i was talking about a movie called the orphan 
which is not a good scary movie. It's like movie. a little girl that gets adopted and yeah, she turns out to be a serial it, killer or something like that. Yeah. Exactly. It's 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 I'm not I'm not gonna say it's a bad movie. It's just not for me. And a lot of people thought I was talking about this, so I get really nervous because the orphanage is I think people were like, uh, I saw it. And, then, <laughs> and you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the the orphanage is is from Spain. It's made in Spain. It's, it's in Spanish. Spanish. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, was it Guillermo del Toro? I think was a producer I think on he it. Only produced it. Yeah, he's yeah. not the director. And I would say it and The Conjuring are definitely in my top three scariest films of all time. Like, I remember we were one of the only people in the theaters when we saw that, mm-hmm. and it was for free. They were giving out like these free vouchers because no one was coming. Well, and, no, no, like, I got I got them at my comic shop. So oh, my that's comic right. shop regularly would get free movie tickets. Yeah. And when I came in there, he's like, hey, do you want this? And it was a huge problem. I'm used to like them. That's kind of what I was referring left. to. Yeah. Like no one was going and no one did except us. We were like poor college students. And we're like, hell yeah, we're going to go see a free movie. And it blew our minds. Yeah. It's absolutely horrifying. Like I, I'm going to sound like a nine year old kid when I say this, but I think I probably had nightmares for a couple of days after that. Like I was terrified. <laughs> um, it, it, it just hit me in the right place. That's so. Awesome. For anyone listening, if you want to know really good free streaming movies, It Falls and Conjuring are out there. If you haven't heard of them, they're worth your time. Yeah. Orphanage is not free, but it's totally worth your money. Do it. So anyway, that was a small tangent. I just thought that was a fun thing to talk about. Yeah. It's been a weird week for us, I'd say, because you were actually called upon with your parents to to like... (laughs) figure out a situation underneath the house yeah so i get this panicky call early in the morning from my mom she's freaking out because when they woke up they heard the water pipes were running when they woke up and they said they could hear it through the vents suggesting that one of the water pipes under the house had burst and so my dad uh he's he's getting ready for a surgery he's in, he's not in a physical position to go into the house where normally he that's just what he always does but at this moment he just wasn't ready so i have to drive up to their side of town and this is early in the morning i had i'd gone to bed late so i'd only been sleeping like three hours you know my hair is all greasy i'm unshowered and i'm getting ready to crawl under a house and this i mean i couldn't i i think that's a perfect situation i mean you don't want to be cleaned and washed it's it's fine to be greasy no I, the house. I i know and they like, hadn't <laughs> drank in a long time i hadn't drank since st patty's so i didn't like smell like booze or something which i don't want my parents <laughs> you're not to, still you know. drunk <laughs> yeah, yeah. it'd been forever since i drank or anything but right. man was i not ready to crawl under a house and there's another layer to that. I'm kind of terrified of my parents' crawl space, which roots back to when I was a really small kid. When I think I was like five or six and my dad went into the crawl space, I remember crawling down the chute once just to take a look. And it is, crawl spaces are not friendly. Didn't you say you thought you saw something there under there one time? I just I, I remember think I had a nightmare about it because I couldn't stop thinking about the crawl space. Okay, you told me something different. So it's only about... Uh, I'm going to say two and a half feet tall under there. But then there's also pipes and insulated vents. So you have to like crawl on your belly and squeeze under them and over the pipes and everything. But it's also pitch black under there. So you have a flashlight. And since there's all the cement uh, pillars that supports that all the house are on and all those pipes and everything, even with a flashlight, everywhere you point, it's like still 90% in shadow. And the house is on a U formation. So no matter where you are, there's huge sections that you just wouldn't be able to see no matter what. So it's a very isolated, it's very scary. You're crawling and squeezing and I am claustrophobic. 
And so I would, I mean, so I've always been scared as a kid, but throughout my teen years, whenever something happened with the pipes, me and my dad would crawl under the house and we'd have to fix it and repair it. So I got used to being down there. But every time I had been down there, I was always down there with someone else. And Was this your first time down there alone? This is today. uh, This was what? Two days ago. Two days ago. This is the first time in my life I've ever been in that crawl space by myself. Ooh, that sucks. And so I go into the crawl space and, you know, I've got me a little bit of a, and a little bit's the wrong term. I've got me a lot bit of a beer gut. So <laughs> there was a little bit of worry that I wasn't going to be able to like squeeze under stuff, but I, I did fine. I was able to squeeze through things, but it's also dusty under there. So I've got my mask on and I'm having trouble breathing through the mask because there's still just so much dust and I'm crawling and I feel like I'm getting caught in between things and it's pitch black and I've got two flashlights with me. I set one up. Uh, there so I can always see where the exit is because you can get lost down there easily and then I've got one with me and everything's still in shadow and I'm mortified like I'm I'm just like it is really freaking scary under here and I had to crawl to areas in the crawl space I had never been to before Mm -hmm. so it's all new (laughs) and I gotta tell you I've even though I've been down there plenty of times there were way more spider webs than I remember (gasps) I didn't see a single spider but I saw a lot of spider webs and I had to crawl through them and so it was a particularly traumatic experience. Um, <laughs> so is that uh, one of the reasons why we're drinking today for sure? And, and the worst <laughs> worst part of it was when I was down there, uh, my dad had turned off the water at the street. I told him I couldn't find any wet areas. I told him to turn it back on for 20 seconds to turn off so I could maybe hear the splashing. And when he turned it on, I could hear water flowing through the pipes, but there was no splashing. And I was like... There's no leak down here. The water's running somewhere, but it's not under the house. And I'm really upset. You're like, awesome. So I'm like still crawling around <laughs> looking for wet stuff. And then I find I, I find nothing. And then I come back out. And when I, you know, banged in, on the floor and yelled at my parents to go check under every sink, I was worried that maybe something had burst in the walls and it just hadn't made it to the crawl space mm. yet. I was like, I need you to check under every sink. I need you to check anywhere there's a, a water thing. Look for wet walls. Look for anything and it turns out <laughs> the hose in the backyard was the valve was opened. That's my favorite part of the story. Well, but see, the thing is, they it obviously wasn't open the night before. Oh, and right. So our theory is someone, probably a homeless person, because it was out really windy night. It was super cold. Yeah. Part of my parents' back gate is completely down, and so there's just like an easy way to just walk into their backyard. It's like super open; you can see it from mm-hmm. the street. So my assumption is a homeless guy was trying to get away from the really crazy and he used winds. the water and didn't shut it. Well, yeah, and he probably got a drink of the hose before he left because my dad heard it right early in the morning. My assumption is when the sun came up, he decided to leave right. and probably got some water before he left. And he didn't turn it off because, you know, he's already going to people's yards. I don't think being considerate would have been the number one priority. Or maybe he was spooked. He's like, oh, crap, I can't Very go around true. and true. turn it off. I have to leave now, which makes sense. So I had absolutely, there was absolutely no reason for me to be in the house, but I got to do it. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Sorry about that. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I'm going to tell you some scary stories. Sweet. I hope they don't have anything to do with claustrophobia. Um, Not that I recall. I don't think so. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get going. Okay. So my story for today is called The Tallman's Ghost It's also been referred to as like the haunted bunk beds or the bunk beds of doom. I don't know. I saw a lot of different tall mans. So the other name is like tall. So this is a family name. Okay. okay. Tall man, but it's Tallman's. Tallman. Okay. Right. So, um, so just a little background. 
This story begins in April 13th, 1986 in Horican, Wisconsin. So it's like we were alive, both of us. We were. I was barely alive. I was, oh, well, not barely. I was definitely full alive. <laughs> I was only. You make it sound like you're on like live support. I, <laughs> well, no, no, no. I, I was out of the womb by that point, but only a few months old. Yeah. So anyway, the, uh, this, like I said, it was in Wisconsin on Larrabee Street where Debbie and Alan Tallman and their children move into their new home. Uh, if you don't know where Horican was or is, it's between Milwaukee and Madison, but like north, about an hour north of each. So it's, so it's kind, kind of, of in the middle of the Like a triangle. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know why that was important to me, but here we go. Uh, I like how you just assume uh, that most people even know where Milwaukee and Madison yeah. is. Like, uh, we've got a few listeners from Wisconsin. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, I know this. But like, everyone like, else I'm is like, I'm literally in Horican right everyone now. Everyone else is like, where's Milwaukee? You're like, <laughs> yeah. Well, you and I know, sort of. Well, we've been there, so yeah. Um, the population at the time was around 3,800, but now it's closer to 3,600. It's pretty. It's dropped. It's a. It's it has dropped. What a thriving community. <laughs> yeah, I guess they didn't need the extra two hundred. Uh, so Debbie Tallman was a housewife, and Alan worked as a supervisor at a manufacturing plant. The family attended church every week, and uh, basically didn't really believe in ghosts before this incident. Mm. According to family friends, they were respected in the community and never really gave indication that anything like this would ever occur. Sure. So they weren't like this before, like nothing. Gotcha. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, and then, oh, also real quick before I get into the story, the reason why I'm not going to be naming the kids' names is because uh, during interviews and also in like articles that I read, they just don't want their kids' names revealed. And also, I couldn't find it. So there's there's those two reasons. So I'm pretty but sure if they got interviewed now, because if they were kids in 1986, they sure well, as fuck should not be kids now. They're well in their 30s, maybe even 40s. I don't know how old they were exactly. Yeah. Um, but the, I mean, the two. So there's three kids. There were two daughters and one son. The son was the oldest, and then the two little girls. They were okay. probably like three years old or something like that. Um, not that I would say their names anyway if I found out, but I. If you're like, why do you keep just saying the son or the daughter one, daughter two, or something like that? That's why. Mm. Just okay. refer to them as sister, sister. sister. <laughs> I don't know the song. <laughs> I think it's just sister, sister the whole time. You were totally binge watching that a while I did. ago. And all I could hear in my room is like, <laughs> just that theme song was coming on every like, what, 25 minutes. And I was like, this oh, is the worst theme super ever. Super short short episodes obviously because you know this is without commercial breaks yeah. but yeah i watched that whole damn thing and i gotta say it was really entertaining but it did start to falter a little bit towards the end there but okay like most sitcoms i guess yeah you you can handle that i can handle it i can handle the cheese no but you you've you've been able to rewatch a lot of those old ones mm-hmm. like uh say by the bell and boy meets world and hey, I, Boy Meets World was still good. No, Although, no, 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 it started admit, to get a little crazy I'll there, admit, but. of all the ones that I would sit down every now and then while you're watching them, Boy Meets World seemed the easiest to handle. Yeah. Um, but you were definitely, even, even Full House, you, I were, watched, you were hitting. I actually rewatched the whole Full House. The one that I could not get through was Family Matters. Oh, that was rough for me, too. I got, like, season, I'm not joking, I think I got to season three and I was like, I can't. I'd say the only retro show that I like watching with you that I do think still holds up, because, uh, you know, obviously, as if the listeners don't know, you love watching these old shows. Yeah. Um, the two that still hold up really well 
are Home Improvement and Roseanne. Oh my god, love. They're both still really good. Yeah, they're really, really good. Um, they're still actually funny and things like that. Of course, things are not going to age well, but, I would but argue, it's still really good. But I would argue the things that don't age well, there's a nostalgia to it, even if it's like a negative thing that doesn't age well, where you're like, oh, I remember you're when. You're like, oh, yeah, my dad was like that too. Or like yeah, something like, that, like whatever. Do you remember when rampant sexism was just all the rage <laughs> in comedy? It was just hilarious. <laughs> women are from Mars. Uh, women are from Venus, Venus and men are from Mars. And that was like, that was like the comedian's go-to yeah. for like the 90s. So yeah. that's what's happening here. No, anyway, I'm so no, no. we're probably going to cut that whole story because it was a waste <laughs> of time. But anyway, so tell me about the Tolmans. Tolmans. Tolmans, yes. So in the beginning, after only a few weeks from moving into their new home, uh, the children began to get sick all the time. This was not something that happened before. Debbie would take them to the doctor, oftentimes um, at all at the same time. So sometimes all three kids were sick, which I cannot imagine. And the doctor couldn't find anything weird about it. I mean, sure, they were like, he was like, yeah, they're getting sick a lot. Maybe more vitamins, etc., whatever. But there was no other explanation that he could provide. You know, like there's no other illnesses that they had that would cause this chronic sickness. So it was just really weird. And at this point, it was early 1987 when Debbie had gone to a secondhand store and purchased bunk beds. And it was for their two daughters so that they can share in their bedroom. The bunk beds was assembled, but stored in the basement for a long time. And then eventually it was moved to their daughter's bedroom in May. I don't know why this timeline was so important in every article, but this is what's happening. I think they're trying to make sure they knew it had been in the house a while. Yeah. As so, opposed to just set up right away, which I don't quite understand because you don't buy beds like for eventualities. And then you don't like, why would you assemble it in the basement just to like have to haul it upstairs? I am all about bunk beds though. Yeah. When I was a real young kid and me and my brother shared a room for, you know, the first few years. My, of my brother life, and I did too. We had a bunk bed and you know what? They're a really smart use of space. So my brother and I shared a bunk bed for a while when I was a little kid. And then um, in 1994 in Los Angeles, there was like this huge earthquake. And I almost, I mean, the bunk bed freaking was a champ. It did not collapse on me. But my dad was so scared. He like ran down the hallway trying to like get to us because he was like, oh, my God, you know, knowing damn well the situation. And plus, it's an earthquake. So, of course, he's going to try to help us. But then, like, ever since then, I had, like, this huge fear. So, I never slept in that bunk bed again. So, you were bottom bunk? I was, of course, I was younger. So, I think most people assume bottom bunk is the worst. Um, But mine was a little bit different. So, my dad built our bunk beds. And he built his, is super solid, but it was also a little bit weird. Mm -hmm. The top bunk was super close to the ceiling. Yeah. (laughs) So my brother had the bottom bunk and he had had four rooms. So like when I was like five, I still couldn't fully sit up in the bed because my head would hit the roof. Wow. And I was only five. So obviously my brother who was six years older than me was not going to be in the top bunk. I mean, it must have not been that bad for my brother because he wanted the top bunk and he got it. So yeah, I don't know. But he got the whole room by himself now because I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't sleep in it anyway. I slept on the floor in my parents' bedroom forever. Fun. Yeah. I mean, I liked it actually, but my parents were like, probably like, get the hell out of my room. But anyway, that's how I spent my 90s. So moving on, they did have a bunk bed and they used it um, eventually. So the first night that they actually ended up using the bunk bed, things started to get really weird. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
the son who slept in the next room, he had the room by himself, so he was the only one in there, um, had his parents' old clock radio that he would have at night playing music um, while he slept. When all of a sudden he was woken up because of the jarring sound of the radio stations uh, shifting quickly between each other. And startled, obviously, he got up, ran to his parents' bedroom, and said, the radio is going crazy, it's, it's loud, and the dials, I can see them moving by themselves. And the parents are like, what are you talking about? Let's just go see. He's just having like a little nightmare or something. Oh, right. So they go and they do see and that we, the- Do we know how old he is? I'm picturing from, like a six-year-old from or something. From the reenactment that I saw okay. online, um, this was, by the way, an Unsolved Mysteries episode. Oh! Yeah. Okay, so now I have to watch afterwards. I love that show. And it came out October 26, 1988. Oh, so we were really young. So it's going to be yeah. a super retro episode. Mullets out, and stuff. It came out on my birthday. So I was literally turning three that night. Dang. Yeah, so suck it. Okay. So, but the reenactments, how old did he look-ish? He looked kind of like maybe 11, 10. Oh, so he's older than I was imagining. Maybe nine. I don't know. I'm so bad but with old like enough, age. But old enough that seeing something like that, yeah, his word means a lot more. It's not like a little kid who's still just right, figuring out the like world. Right, he's not like barely learning how to speak yeah, or anything. he's going to be much more aware and cognizant of his world. So, okay. okay. Yeah, so, exactly. So this is something I'm going to take with a lot more credit now. Right. So he tells his parents this. However, I mean, maybe he should have had you as a dad because his dad did not believe him. Mm. In fact, he took the radio away thinking he just wasn't handling it correctly Sounds or something. Sounds like my dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know what? The issue is the radio. I'm taking it away. Yeah. I want to go to sleep. So, exactly. I'm sure he was exhausted and had to go to work. So he definitely did not believe his son and, you know, Everyone moved on from that. Well, the hauntings did continue. At this point, um, I would say that the children were being affected heavily before um, the parents ever felt anything or saw anything. But the children themselves would always say that, you know, like they're seeing things or they're hearing things, but the parents always dismissed them. Like, honestly, they didn't believe them. Things started to escalate a little more, of course. And Alan, so the father, his first experience was while he was painting in the basement, And after a few hours of working, he took a break and had lunch with his family. And so when he got back, he saw that his paintbrush uh, was in the can, but put in incorrectly. So it was handle first in Mm. the can, which is really weird because he, I remember in the interview, he said, I put it on the table. And then when I got back, it was in the can and also not in there correctly. It'd and be he, hard for a brush to fall in like that. Even oh, right, because it's the top heavy can, on the other exactly, side. Exactly. So I didn't really understand the phys- physics of that either. Um, and with that said, it wasn't one of their kids messing around or anything because he was literally having lunch with them just moments before upstairs. So weird. Maybe a homeless guy walked into his house and turned on his hose and put in his can and got like, startled. <laughs> got startled. He's like, "Where's my bunk bed?" Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but no, he. <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> Uh, no, no, no. So the, so Alan at this point, he, he recalls it now while he was being interviewed, but to be honest, he said that at that time, he really didn't think about it much further. Alan was probably the one that was like a true non-believer. Like, I don't think he believed in ghosts, anything like that. So anything that would have occurred, he was very willing to explain it in other ways. Sure. And, or just dismiss it. Hardcore skeptic. Exactly. So, well... Unfortunately, one night, Debbie woke up to the sounds of her children running around and laughing and playing in the middle of the night. Sweet. Frustrated, she got up, looked around, trying to find her kids, but she couldn't find them. And so she goes into their bedroom thinking maybe they ran back in there, but saw that they were all fast asleep. So they 
didn't seem like they were faking it and she basically got up and as soon as she opened her bedroom door the sound stopped so it would have been very hard for them to have gotten away with it i know what you're thinking no no okay maybe. okay so so it does sound creepy i'm acknowledging yeah. that if her perception is as good as she thinks it is this is very creepy mm-hmm. however well she's a stay-at-home mom i think she knows these kids like the back of her yeah, hand you're right but you're also not giving enough credit to when kids are kids and we were kids we were really good at hiding it. I was super good at faking sick, and but I was super good at hiding. But maybe you think you did. I don't know. Very true. I your that, mom just that, rolled her eyes like whatever. He's in the bed. No, again. that should be fully accepted as a. You could absolutely one hundred percent right, but yeah. don't underestimate kids. Sure. Just saying. I mean, I guess. I mean, okay. I guess you're right. I think when my brother and I were really, really little, I think we saw on TV once where it was like a really cool thing to get like a midnight snack. So we did. <laughs> I remember the story. We would, we, <laughs> we would wake up, and these are like school days, too. So it wasn't even like on the weekend where it would make sense. And hadn't she gone to bed at like 9 or something? Yeah, we went to bed at 9, and then we waited basically until our parents fell asleep. Um, and so it wasn't really midnight. It was just like whenever the hell my parents were finally uh, sleeping. Sure. And so we got up, and then we would have cereal <laughs> as our midnight snack because we didn't have a lot of sugar in the house. And then we just like went to bed. It was a stupid... And it was like so fun and cool because we had to be like really sneaky and opening that bag of cereal was probably the hardest thing i've ever done in my life but yeah without waking up our parents and we did get away with it i think my mom would have been pissed if she found out <sighs> to be young again because <laughs> it's fun because right now my 36 year old fat ass all i'm thinking <laughs> about is waking up to eat and go back to bed i'm just imagining the acid reflux of oh, lying no. down after eating and there I'm was like, no acid reflux and I, I, know, but I was like i couldn't do that these days but it was so silly like we ate cereal. Like, it wasn't even... It's like we had breakfast again or something. It, it was it was dumb. Well, I think the funny part is, like, you guys didn't understand what the purpose of a midnight snack yeah. was. <laughs> We're, like, making steak. Like, <laughs> you're, like, you're like, so people like waking up and eating. No, they're, they're having the snack because they're just... They're up already. They're and up already. Up so long, their body's like, it's time and for the next like meal. And we're just like these dumb kids who are like sleep deprived. We're like, we got to do it. This is what adults do. Yeah, it was very interesting. You guys Childhood. are the ones that you'd hear like in movies all the time. People talking about a nightcap. So you guys felt like you needed to buy a hat <laughs> just to wear at night. At night. We're like, obviously, we're adults, people. <laughs> nightcap. <laughs> I, you know, if I had heard the term, I probably would have thought that too. So, oh, well. <laughs> Um, so yeah, moving on, I guess maybe you think the kids were actually running around, but But I'm I'm saying it could go either way. If, if her perception is great is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. So anyway, their daughters who, like I mentioned before, slept in the bunk beds, uh, began to complain in the middle of the night would wake up, you know, call out for their mom. She would come in and they would say that we saw a witch standing behind our door. She would also say, the daughter, that there was fire around and that, you know, there was things going on and she saw red eyes and all these things. But, like, she was so little. And in the reenactment, I'd say she probably was, like, around two or three years old. So I would... I kind of understand how the mom said she dismissed it. She's like, at the time, I thought she was just having nightmares, but it kept happening quite often, Mm -hmm. and it was very much the same descriptions. So was it, I don't know, like, when kids have nightmares, they tend to just be scared, and they want to hug you, and they might say, like, there was a monster, or this or that. But these were fairly detailed things, especially for a little kid. It sounds like, like, why would they have this reoccurring person or thing, you know? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Does that, I don't know if that's normal. Maybe it is, and I'm just giving it too much creepy credit so 
not really giving it much credit. The mom was like, no big deal. So another thing to note and that she mentions in her interview is that both Alan and Debbie, whenever their son was having a nightmare or their daughters were having a nightmare, they never crossed that information to one another, to each other, to like to the other kid. So, for example, oh, they weren't they weren't sharing it with them, right? Either. So it wasn't like, oh, your sister was having another nightmare about these uh, about a witch or right. anything like that. So they didn't know. But kids I, talk though, right? I mean, I'm guessing, yeah. So I think that was a really cool point from the parents perspective but, but not so much for the kids well no because if i mean david knew exactly what i was afraid of when i was a kid and he used it against me well so i think at least in their situation that when people share a room like the sisters mm-hmm. i would imagine they would communicate mm-hmm. but maybe not with the brother uh because if he because you know he's in a different room and he's older and all that maybe so. i think you're yeah maybe you're right um so the reason why I bring it up is because one night they heard their son screaming in his bedroom. So obviously, Alan and Debbie go inside trying to find out what's going on. And he's pointing at the door saying there's an old woman standing by his door and that she has long black hair, red glowing eyes, and that there's fire all around her. So, mm. yeah, this is the point where Debbie freaked out because I think she was kind of like and he was awake. He was absolutely awake and he's older, like you mentioned before. So maybe there is more merit to this and saying like he has more details. It's more coherent than our three-year-old and then what she's saying, but it's consistent as well. So it's very Mm. strange. I think so. This is basically about the time that she mentioned as well, Debbie, that she believed her house was haunted. So very desperate. uh, Debbie and Alan, I guess he agreed to it as well, turned to their pastor, Wayne do brats, I think it's how you say it, for advice and actually invited him to their house. As soon as the pastor entered the doorway, he claimed that he felt something evil in the house and that it was the devil. Fun. So wait, uh, <laughs> remind me if I missed it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, did we up? establish how long they had lived there at so, this point? Because I know the bunk bed was newish. The bunk bed was newish. So they moved in in 86. Let me look. I thought this took place in 86. Yeah, but when they got the bunk bed was in 87, early 87. So they moved in in April of 86. Okay. And then early 87. So they, but see, the thing is that the kids were already getting sick. Okay. Pretty early on, like just a few weeks after moving into the house. But a lot of the things and what people seem to associate the hauntings was the bunk bed for some reason. Okay. Um, so, but it's such a short timeline at this point, it could be a haunted house. Like, it's not like they lived there for 20 years and then these no, bunk beds show up. Okay. It, it, this basically was rapid um, for hauntings. You know what Fun I mean? Like, times. they basically knew something was up. Or at least the kids definitely knew something was up. Um, so, yeah. So, like I said, they got the pastor to get into the house and he said it was a devil. Which, by the way, what the fuck? Because... I mean, I get it if he's like, oh, sure, you might have a ghost or a demon. That sucks. But the devil, I mean, that's just, I would say I'm out. Yeah, right. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> bye. I don't know. Uh, that's, that's excessive. The he who shall not be named. Yeah. <laughs> Is here. Well, Pastor Wayne was interviewed as well on Unsolved Mystery. This is where I got this information. He further explained that he did think that it was the devil's work and whatever was inhabiting the house was of the occult realm and that it was demonic. So now it's sounding this it's sounding like maybe it's just a demon or and maybe he's saying it's, devil's, it's the devil's work. To work just to, yeah, yeah, to know? imply 
nefariousness. Exactly. Not so. necessarily the direct workings but of the desolate But he legit one. said the devil earlier, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, he's in my house. Okay. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> no way. So he told Debbie and Alan that the reason their children was getting sick was because the entity was feeding off their energy. And that's how it gained so much power to manifest. Hmm. Yeah. Really effed up. So the hauntings in their home definitely did not stop. The family started getting very agitated, tired, and basically everyone was like a total nervous wreck. Mm -hmm. This entity was not letting up. And oftentimes they would hear doors slam shut, chairs would move on their own, and they would definitely hear voices around the house, even calling them by name, which is very, very... Creepy. Very creepy because it's just so much... um, energy to do that you know it's not like what they can do or what they're thinking or like i don't know it just it's very taunting it's very intentional well and this is a tiny i mean tiny family is the wrong term it was five people but i mean this is such a small family Mm -hmm. you know what everyone's voice sounds like so if they say your name it's someone say it's not like you're hearing someone through the wall Mm -hmm. or something like that they're saying your name and you know what voices sound like so you're like this is not that person exactly yeah that that part upsets me. That yeah. that that's the kind of thing that would really mess me up. <laughs> I think I would I would just think I was going crazy, but if everyone else was experiencing it, I'd be like, okay, well, there's something here. There was an incident where Debbie actually was in the basement doing some laundry. She said this actually would happen often. And she would hear her voice being called out while she was down there. And it sounded like not her not necessarily just her voice, but oftentimes it would say, Come here. And it was trying to lure her into different parts of the basement. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. <laughs> Your face. Just imagining my experience in the crawl space. Yeah. If a couple you, days ago. If you've heard a voice say, come here while you were down there. Oh, you mean I'd probably just, I probably would have just died. <laughs> I think my head would have exploded. Fire. Yeah, my head would have exploded <laughs> and the, and the uh, emergency recovery crews would be like, well, somehow his head's like gone. Yeah, so obviously <laughs> something here. And he pooped himself. And he, <laughs> but not before he shot himself. <laughs> interesting, interesting. So, yeah, so that is exactly how Debbie probably felt, and she was very freaked out. In an interview with Alan Tolman, he said that he started also having visions of him coming home and finding his entire family brutally murdered. So he's having visions, like unrest that's going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think he ever felt violent himself. So it's not like an Amityville horror situation. It was just like him being very scared for his sure. family. Like it it truly was a threatening entity. A week before Christmas, uh, the son decided that he wanted to sleep in the living room, um, probably because he was terrified at this point and uh, didn't want to be in his bedroom, which I don't blame him. Anyway, when he wakes up, he saw an old woman standing in the living room telling him that his entire family is going to die and that she was going to set the house on fire and they're all going to burn alive. Of course, the son tells his parents and this at this point, Alan completely fucking loses it. He starts screaming at the top of his lungs, yelling at the entity to leave his family alone and even goes as far as threatening it, saying, if you're going to fight anyone, fight me. So he wanted to like, I don't, I would like to think that he was drunk when he did this because it just sounds such a drunk person thing to do. But well, I also think an angry Shane would do well, an angry Shane or an angry dad, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like him just being I like, can see, I can see your brother cause he's a dad. This is exactly <laughs> what he would do he in this scenario. Do, fight me. Yeah, probably. So he, uh, he definitely called it out. 
initially, or at least not that night, nothing else came of it until three weeks later on January 7th, when Alan returned home from work at 2 a.m., so he had a late shift. He parked his car in the driveway, got out of his car, and he began to walk to his front door, where all of a sudden he started to hear a loud howling sound, like a howling wind coming from the garage. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so like a ooh. I was thinking like a wolf, but oh, right, I thought so too when they first yeah. said that because they only said howling, and I'm like, I don't get it, but it's it's a wind howl. He stopped for a moment, and as he listened uh, and got closer to the garage, which is where he thought it was coming from, uh, he noticed the howling got louder and louder. He mentions this in the interview because there were, he was literally outside, and there was no wind. So why is he hearing it but not feeling it? Alan continues to walk towards the side of the garage. He kind of goes around the house sure. and he hears a voice say, come here. Alan apparently comes here because he, <laughs> he, cometh. <laughs> he cometh because he goes to the side of the house, continues to walk down and then notices that the howling gets quieter and quieter. So he's like, okay, well, whatever it was, it's gone or something. So he comes back around to the front of the house and then he hears the howling wind again. And here's the voice say, come here, multiple times over and over again. When he gets back um, to the front door, he's like, I'm just going to go into the front door and just be done with it because I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, like, I'm just I'm just going to leave. So the garage, right before he gets into the house, he sees illuminates bright orange and it looks like it's on fire now. So he's like, what the fuck? So he obviously, like, opens his front door quickly. How have I never heard of this story before? It sounds like an <laughs> 80s movie. I know. It's so crazy. And so he, like, gets in his house. He puts down his lunch pail, he said, and then gets his fire extinguisher and, tr- and goes back outside, you know, obviously to turn out to uh, extinguish the fire. But when he gets out there, everything is quiet and perfectly still. There is no fire. Mm. So what the hell? Did he really get off late from work, or was he out drinking with the boys and got home? This sounds like something's on shroom, not when you get drunk. I don't think I've ever hallucinated a fire drinking. No, I know, but I mean, sometimes drinking with the boys means doing other stuff, and maybe he that's set what he it did. on fire. <laughs> I'm not saying there was never a fire. Okay. I mean, there's a good chance he was parked in the wrong driveway too. Oh, oh, he just like, <laughs> oh, my neighbor's garage is on fire. Oh well, no, that's not the incident that happened. Um, it was very much. This aware. sounds horrifying. I would lose my shit. Yeah, exactly. I would so. move out the next day. But no, no, <laughs> I'd move night. out instantly. Yeah, I'd be like, wake everyone's like, pack uh, now. But apparently, I think this really shook him because the part that I think I have to understand from Alan's perspective is that he he was such a non-believer that these things happening to him. I don't think he's processing correctly because he never removed his family from the home i think he was very much like there has to be something sure else going on yeah, but he's still scared out of his mind absolutely because what he does after this happens so he goes back into the house thinking okay there's no fire i can't extinguish anything so i'm gonna go back inside so he does and when he gets back inside obviously he's like still shaken up and he picks up his lunch pail and as soon as he picks it up from the ground, it shoots across the room mm. onto the other side of the living room and breaks a lamp. So he's just standing there now, <laughs> just seen a fire that didn't <laughs> exist. His lunch pail flew out of his hands and broke something in the living room. And he said, well, his wife said in the interview that she saw Ellen run into the uh, the bedroom because at this point she heard all the commotion. Yeah, and so sure. she, was, she was awake, but she wasn't witnessing anything. 
She's on Reddit or something. She's just like Redditing. <laughs> and so like she goes, he goes into the bedroom and she says that he was so frantic. He just threw the car keys on the, on the drawers and he went into bed. Like he just. How can you he, sleep after that? He just that? like shut down though. Oh man. These are, these Some are those moments. Some people are really like. These are those moments where the stories get really, I don't understand them. I agree. Yeah. Um, because. I hear about horrific things and people's reactions are 100% not. Maybe people do react very differently because you and me have not had those kinds of situations to us. And you know how when we watch like horror movies and then we're like, why are they doing that? No one would do that. Maybe they would. And it's just that we've never been there and done the stupid stuff people do when they're scared. Exactly. And I think Scream did a really good job of portraying that. They're like, why would she run upstairs? And then like she literally runs upstairs. That's a good point. Yeah. I I didn't think about that. Yeah. So, you know, I think. Scream really was a genius (laughs) analysis of horror while being a horror itself. While being a horror. Yeah, exactly. Um, Also a good movie. Great movie. So anyway, Alan, totally still in denial, apparently, but also scared. So it's very interesting. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So since the incident of the garage, Alan began sleeping on the floor in his daughter's bedroom to keep them safe. He felt like they were being targeted a lot. And um, I think at this point, there's no doubt that he was definitely believing that something was going on in his house. Um, And so he slept on the floor and was like, whatever. Anyway, one night he woke up because mist was forming all around him and a voice telling him, you're dead. Alan got up, ran into the kitchen, and just sat at the dinner table in complete shock. Uh, In the interview, Debbie said that Alan looked like he was completely pale white, his lips were blue, and he was crying. But he was non-responsive. Like, she would ask him, like, what's going on? Did you see something? Talk to me, anything. Mm. And he wouldn't say anything. So she was obviously terrified already. She was a believer long before this. So she's obviously freaking out at this point. And with little option, she ended up calling her pastor. So he comes by and kind of tries to like mellow out the situation and and help them. He does end up blessing the house at some point. Doesn't really do any good, unfortunately. So I guess he, I think while he was there, he did calm everything down. But by the time he left... It didn't really matter. I do, I'm not saying this is as comic relief either. Like, if you're going to do some sort of blessing, you got to get the sage, man. You got to get I'm the sage. I'm serious with it, though. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not joking. Like, if you and me buy a house, 100%. Are we really? Oh, we're saging the <laughs> F out of that house. And every house I've lived in since college, thanks to Andrew, Andrew, we put crosses above the doors. I thought that was for a joke. He did it as a joke, but it, it I we've done it ever since because it kind of, that stuff affects me because I am I am religious, so right. It actually affected me, and when when we moved out of the house, and I, I remember thinking we need crosses. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of people listening are just laughing, going, "God, this guy's stupid," but no, I it's because it's a whatever thing. makes you feel good. I'm not gonna. We judge. have a cross. Your mom gave us above our our door right now. Yes. I don't need all doors, but like the front door, it's kind of like a thing. Well, yeah. I mean, that's just you know, yeah, we got. We got a lot of religious paraphernalia from my parents, for sure. I love it, though. It's it's, yeah. it's pretty. It's cool stuff. Yeah, it's nice looking. A lot of it's from Mexico. Yeah. So anyway, they had a priest, <laughs> and it didn't work. Um, one night, so this is a different night, completely different. This was a few days later, not too long after, uh, when Alan had another late shift at his work. So because he wasn't going to be home and didn't feel like he could protect his family, he asked a relative to stay with them and to specifically stay in their daughter's bedroom, like on the floor, sleep on the floor, please, mm-hmm. like, you know, protect them, blah, blah, blah. 
Well, the relative was completely a skeptic also, just like Alan was. He didn't believe in ghosts, but he also wanted to help his family. Yeah. He wasn't like, no, I'm not going to do this because I don't believe it. He's like, whatever, it doesn't affect me because I'm not scared. So he goes and he sleeps on the floor. And the next thing you know, Debbie in the interview says she heard him scream from the bedroom. And, and so she went out running to see what was wrong. And when she got there, he was just standing in the hallway. And she said he looked exactly the way Alan did that night. So, obviously, he was pale. She asked him what's going on. He's not really saying anything. But at that point, Debbie was, like, done. She's like, fine, go get the girls. So, he told the relative, get the girls. I'm going to go start packing. And we're getting the hell out of this house. And she does. She just makes it happen. And they never go back. Good. Yeah. That's what they should have done, like, forever ago. They should have done that. Yeah, exactly. Like, Leave the house, do whatever it needs to do. But I think, I don't know if it was because Alan wasn't there to stop her from doing it. And it was just the relative. But I think her finally getting out and telling Alan, we're already out of the house and we're not coming back. Like, how do you push that back? Sure, sure. Do you know what I mean? Instead of just, it's easier to keep someone in than put him that back in. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, that was my guess. Or maybe Alan was like, you know what, fine. I'm glad you finally pulled the trigger. You know what I'm saying? So that is exactly what happened. They moved out. And two weeks after leaving the home, the Tallmans had the bunk bed destroyed. They personally took it to the landfill and and watched it get obliterated. So. I have some thoughts on that, too. but Yeah, so I'll, I'll let you finish and we'll, okay. we'll, we'll hit that at the end. I'll finish up just like the updates and stuff like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. So the Tallmans ended up moving to another city entirely. They didn't even stay. And uh, whatever that was haunting them before was no longer haunting them yeah Yeah, so they're fine they're doing fine as far as anyone knows so no one was possessed which is no one it never attached to someone or anything so that's good or anything that they took on april 1988 so this would have been literally now two years from when they first moved into the house Mm -hmm. the new a new family moved into the old tallman's house um and then you know ever since then they've reported nothing strange ever occurring so they're fine too Interesting. So I think that's kind of why people, a lot of people, put uh, focus on the bunk beds and thinking it this was is that part of my question. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on that? I have I have things. So go ahead. All right. So, <laughs> man, there's so much to talk about. Okay. So first thing I have to talk about is I was a little weird out because most of the story wasn't really talking about the bunk beds and it, and you know when you introduce it, it seemed right. to be like a horror bunk bed. So I don't know what they have to to suggest it was the bunk beds because they had just moved into the house as well. And so it could very well have been the house as it could also have been the bunk beds. And a bunk bed is such a weird thing to get possessed. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's because Debbie purchased it on a secondhand store. Mm-hmm. And it. I think she associated that when she brought it into the basement and then things were happening there maybe. Mm-hmm. And then when they moved it up to the bedroom, to the girls' room, then things started happening even quicker. But correlation, not necessarily causation. No, you're right. Um, because the kids were getting sick before. Yeah, so I would have bought this if they destroyed the bunk bed and they continued to live at the house and everything stopped. Mm-hmm. I'd have been like, oh, that makes total sense. It was totally the bunk beds. And yeah. them them leaving and the next tenant not feeling anything is not abnormal. We've we, There's been That's so many. The Amityville Horror House yeah. was that exactly. No, there have been, I think, several people living there. No one's had any yeah. negative experiences there except the one thing. So, you know, people could say, oh, some people are susceptible, some people aren't. Yes, sure. 
But I don't want to discredit that it was a possible bunk bed. Maybe they had more, maybe there was more to it that we're just not hearing that they Mm -hmm. knew about. Because I am someone who, even though I'm not sure if I believe in ghosts, but I'm scared of the idea that they do exist. Yeah, right. um, I do very much actually believe in inherent, what's the word, that, that objects and items have some sort of retention from things that happened around them Mm -hmm. in other words like i don't want to live in the house that someone's been murdered in and like let's say um like if i go to a thrift shop i would absolutely hate the idea of knowing if i'm like trying on a shirt that it was owned by like someone who beat his wife or you know killed kids so you definitely don't like thrift stores i have a problem with a lot of stuff because i feel like there might be some sort i don't want to use the term memory because it just sounds so flaky to say that but there, I do believe that there can be resonance within objects. Even from my own life, if I have bad experiences with things, I do kind of feel like there's something inherent within the object. So I understand that. And so thinking that maybe there could be something with the bunk bed, I get. I just, there's nothing so far, what you told me from the story, that makes me think there's any reason it would be the bunk bed and mm. not the house itself. Because, I mean, how could a bunk, a haunted bunk bed cause, like, a glowing thing in the garage and all this stuff? A glowing garage and, like, and it didn't seem like, it's not like the bunk bed shook or, like, threw the girls out of it. And it was affecting the boy, too, and he wasn't even in the he room with any, the bunk bed. It affected everyone. Yeah. yeah. So I would say my experience is, like, it has I, to be the house. Right, and so that's kind of what I was going to say is that, if it was a bunk bed, why didn't they just get rid of it first? Because this was like their dream home. Agreed. And they wanted to live there and they were happy or they thought they were going to be happy. So why didn't they just, if they really thought it was a bunk bed, they even went as far after they after they moved out to destroy it. Why didn't they destroy it before? Mm-hmm. And exactly. So, and they were already doing a lot of sleeping on the ground. Just do that for a while. Were, figure it yeah. out. Get a new All bunk bed. All of you bed. sleep in the bedroom. Yeah, exactly. Like, do that. Well, who knows? Um, there are some theories and there's only really one big one, I'd say, is that the people that knew them, sure, they believed them and they were like, this is probably true. But a lot of the town think that they were doing it for attention mm-hmm. and that it wasn't real. That's not a very uncommon thing to think. Yeah. And I would for say. some people, it uh, when you when you like see interviews with people, well, some you're like, I believe it. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, I doubt this was a scenario for them because they didn't want to do interviews. And they, they kept their names. They wanted they to keep private. Exactly. They gave their initial names, but I think that was an inevitable probably. But um, they didn't want their kids involved. They didn't want, they even said specifically that they didn't want to profit off something that their kids suffered from. Mm-hmm. So they just felt very like this was something that literally happened. It's not something that we want to profit off of. It's scary. And so they did Unsolved Mysteries only after... Um, I think if it was friends or family or something like that, not, I don't want to say pressured, but kind of like convinced them to doing a small statement because there were so many rumors going around already. So it's more of like a clarification of what was going on into the house and like sure. kind of giving their side of the story so that they don't seem, well, I don't know if it helped for them to not seem more crazy, but to at least be like, no, this is really affecting our family. It's not a good thing. We're not here to make money. We're not going to do that. Unsolved Mysteries got wind of this, and so they wanted to do a story. So they agreed. I'm not sure what the terms were or, or what what like caused them to want to do this, sure. but they ended up doing it. And they and they even had their own terms. They were in the interviews. They were blacked out. Like they you couldn't see their faces, and they did not have the kids interviewed. And they only wanted actors to reenact it, which is kind of common. But a lot of times, um, 
people that were involved in the story, as you know, in the reenactments, they end up partaking in the reenactment. Absolutely. That happens On a that lot. Show, yeah. yeah. So they were like, we don't want to even reenact something. They were distancing themselves. I mean, they really hard. didn't want to have a lot to do with it. Yeah. But the story wanted to be told. Everyone knew about it already. It's kind of like cats out of the bag, whatever. So they kind of did it. And ever since then, they have not advertised themselves of it. They've lived their quiet life and they're basically, they wash their hands on it. Yeah. So. I wanted to actually, I found this one quote from a newspaper from 1988. Uh, It was the edition of The Quill, and it was written by Barrett J. Brunsman. And this is a quote from the town. So, ghost rumors had swept through the crowd at the Friday night basketball game at the local high school. Hundreds of cars swept down Larrabee Street past the Tolman House. People walked the yard of the other nine houses on the block, climbing over fences, peering into windows. Drunks showed up. They weren't afraid of no ghost. They tried the doors and windows of the Tallman's house, intent on getting inside to prove their bravery. When the police ordered the drunks and gawkers to stay away from the house, a few would-be Ghostbusters told the cops, go to hell. Arrested for disorderly conduct were made. The streets were barricaded. So this entire community was very much affected, and this was already when the when the uh, Tallmans had already left. Oh, it was a big to-do. It was a big to-do. I just thought that was a very um, wonderful piece <laughs> from this writer to describe uh, the behavior of how people can react to something like this. It's very scary, so I, I can understand how the Tallmans might not even want to be associated either. Because that's such a big thing. So here we go. That's the story. So I've got... Two big questions then. Ooh. Uh-huh. Number one, do you know the address? No, not the specific address. Oh, let me let me rephrase that. I actually didn't look it up, but I have seen multiple photos of it, and it wouldn't be hard to find. Like, I think people know exactly How where it is. How willing to drive in front of that house would you be? Very willing. Not me. Really? <laughs> that one messes me up a little bit. It's it's a demonic possession kind of thingy. It's well, in, according it's in to my... the pastor, it could just be a very, very angry ghost. I mean, still hurting you, freaking you out. All the same. I mean, that, that was like 30-some years ago. Now, yeah. And since there hasn't been any problems yet. But I don't want to drive out of my way to a tiny town just to go in front of a scary house. Uh, if, like, there's nothing It's crazy. only an hour north of Madison. That's that's two-hour round trip. That's true. That's, I a, mean, that's a long time to drive in front of a house. Maybe we'll get some good... A little spooky drive-by. <laughs> yeah. So I, I kind of scared you. So yeah, there were, mission there, accomplished. You you hit stuff that does bother me. Like yeah. especially if someone I knew was telling me this stuff, I'd be like, God damn it, I don't want to be anywhere near that house. <laughs> um, I don't want to take care of your kids. Yeah, yeah, that uh, stuff's pretty pretty upsetting. Most of that stuff in there was pretty upsetting. Right? I'd say that was definitely one of the scarier ones. Ooh, late. Awesome. Dun 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 dun. I win. Well, you could tell I was I was a little scared because I was hitting my beer really hard while you're drinking it, and now it's all gone. Oh, really? <laughs> so I well, need to get I need to get another beer. We know what that means. So how about we take a break, and we'll see you guys in a few because I got a story as well. Yay! Welcome back, everyone. I have my new drink, and so does Chase. And I think we're ready for our next story. So no aliens today. Aww. I'm taking a little break from the aliens because <laughs> okay. wading through the conspiracy theory sites is it, it's draining. Okay. So I need sure. to take a little break and I need to do fun more more fun stuff for more me right fluff. now. Okay. So since it's not aliens, you know what that means? Yes. It's time for a tropical terror. 
So vacation options right here. Going to hit you Ooh, up with a okay. possible place that we could go. <laughs> Let's go to this haunted place. It has a no star hotel because there's no hotel. Oh, well. Uh, so today I'm going to tell you about a haunted lighthouse. Mm. So lighthouses do seem to be a common occurrence when it comes to haunted buildings. Uh, we see them all the time. Like mm-hmm. whenever we watch these, like lighthouses always pop up. You know, it makes me wonder, perhaps it has to do with the fact that many of them are in relatively remote areas, mm. like on the edge of land, looking into the endless expanse of water. Like, it's like the edge of the world, okay. but it's not really the edge of the world. I mean, because the earth is round, obviously, duh, sure. but... Um, <laughs> But uh, I was starting to get a little worried. (laughs) (laughs) But perhaps that's to do with the fact that usually people are running lighthouses, either like one or just like two people running a lighthouse. Okay, yeah. And so it's pretty darn lonely. Maybe it has to do with the fact that lighthouses, the whole point of a lighthouse is kind of unnatural. It illuminates areas that are otherwise completely dark. And it does it in like a ridiculous way. I mean, the lamps on the tops of lighthouses Mm -hmm. are super bright. So there's so many things that could make a lighthouse just like a perfect opportunity, you know, because mm. everything about it's unnatural. You're at the end of the world. It's lonely you're by yourself. The idea behind a lighthouse, when you think about the idea behind it, it's kind of terrifying because the light is meant to keep ships from crashing and people dying. And actually, you and me, we just saw a movie not too long ago called The Lighthouse. Very good movie. With uh, Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe in it. Yep. It was it was a good movie. It, it was weird. It was very weird. But it was beautiful, too. I mean, it was, uh, it's but, got a lot of good cinematography. But I think I think it actually touched on a lot of those areas really well because they were isolated. They were lonely. It's kind of an inhospitable place. It was... it was a, The mind goes a little wild. The mind goes crazy. Yeah. So that was a cool movie. It's not for everyone. Um, I wouldn't say it was a scary movie, but it's a creepy movie. Mm-hmm. But if you like something a little more artsy, weird. slow, and, yeah. Yeah, and weird, then it might be up your alley. But today, I'm going to specifically talk about the lighthouse on Great Isaac K. Mm. So just in case you don't know, that's K, which is C-A-Y. Um, it's, that is, by definition, a small, low-elevation sandy island on the surface of a coral reef. So think of a oh. super tiny island. Okay. But anyway, so Great Isaac K is a very small island, which is one of the Bahama Islands. Okay. Uh, this island is about 70 miles off the east coast of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So about kind of on the southern area of Florida, but towards the middle, just go east 70 miles over the water. Despite being one of the Bahama Islands, it really feels like it's in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It sits between the much larger and more well-known Bimini and Grand Bahama Islands. It's so small, it only shows up when you hit the satellite imagery on Google google maps if you just look at the normal maps they don't even have a depicted (laughs) landmass it's so small wow that's weird yeah so when i first looked it would just look like a pin drop in the middle of the ocean even at maximum zoom and then when i turned on the satellite i saw the little island but it wasn't even like matched up with the pin drop either it was off a ways and i'm like okay that's small so okay i'm sure this will be answered go ahead yeah so this this uh, this island is only accessible by boat, obviously, mm-hmm. and the only thing on it, the only thing on this island, is the lighthouse and the little itty bitty buildings right around the lighthouse that are b- for the lighthouse. You know, okay. like the cistern and the quarters to like sleep in and everything. Like, it's really small, like one room buildings. I couldn't get exact sizes for the island online, but from the pictures, the estimation because I know how tall the tower was. Mm-hmm. 
It appears that the island is only 350 feet wide on the short width. Whoa. And 1,500 feet wide long-wise. And for you metric people out there, that's that's like roughly like a little over 100 meters by 500 meters. Just so that you guys can picture this island accurately, this is not an uh, like a paradise-looking island. It's not covered in plants, trees, mm-hmm. wildlife, or anything good like that. This is a barren dirt island. And it just has a couple small patches of grass and a couple bushes. It is flat mm. and it is dirt. So it's very much sounding like the lighthouse here. Like yeah. the way oh, yeah, the exactly. atmosphere. Um, hold on one second. Uh, for those of you who are listening to us, there will be pictures on our social media. So you should check them out. I'm going to be showing. And those of you who aren't listening to us, you have no idea what we're saying. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So um, just so you know, here is Florida. This red drop, only uh, only worry yes. about the red drop and the, the number middle picture. The Don't worry about the bottom picture. Okay. That's for another day. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this is um, very similar to what the lighthouse, like very kind of rocky and then some desert, but not desert, sand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That picture is misleading. I'm going to do a better one online because okay. that picture makes it look like the land extends. That's almost the entire island right there. Holy cow. You're seeing almost the whole thing. So it's basically just a rock. Like it's a just little, basically a rock. Yeah, that boats for them to want to need a to need a lighthouse. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. So the lighthouse itself is 151 feet tall, which is about 46 meters, and is surrounded by about nine small buildings that I could count. Many of which appear to be single rooms, not much larger than like a big shed. So these are tiny and they're they're nothing. The lighthouse was built in 1859 and was active for almost 150 years, mm-hmm. only being completely deactivated in 2009, very recently. Wow, yeah. Yeah. It was a, it's such a classic-looking lighthouse, too. It's like a tapered white cylinder with a classic-looking lantern on top, and it was a powerful lighthouse, too. It had a range of 23 nautical miles and mm-hmm. revolved around once every 15 seconds. And despite being 23 miles, that still wasn't enough distance to even see be seen by the next nearest landmass that's how far away from anything this was wow it was i think the nearest landmass was the bimini island which is 30 miles away so i mean you're in the middle of nowhere and i think the whole purpose of this lighthouse was because there's a lot of these raised coral areas is just to keep it's it's pretty much a stay away from here you're going to crash yeah it's not the hey come check us out so it's it's as lonely as it could be because the whole purpose was to keep people away yeah exactly so that's all kinds of fun so i think it's fair to say that this place is super isolated without supplies there is nothing to eat no freshwater sources on the island no animals nothing the people manning this lighthouse would be victim to the will of circumstance it would also have been insanely lonely you can walk the entirety of the island in minutes and because it's so flat nothing is ever obscured you can see your entire world at all times and there isn't a soul for miles it would essentially be an open air prison and to make matters worse, it was haunted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> but so you're not very lonely. Yeah. <laughs> so allegedly, during the lighthouse's construction in the mid-1800s, a British supply shipwrecked just offshore, which kind of explains why they needed the lighthouse, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone survived, though, except one little boy, whose mm-hmm. death was particularly gruesome. While in the water after the wreck, he was attacked and eaten by a swarm of sharks. Oh, my God. 
I mean, that's got to be one of the worst ways to die. Being food for an animal while you're alive, and a lot of them, and alone, and a child. Like, poor, poor little kid. Poor baby, no. Oh, God. I'm so, ever since that wreck, the ghost of the boy has been seen walking around the island in buildings ever since, for like Aww, 150 years. He's so Ever. lonely. Later that century, still in the 1800s, allegedly, there was another boat that wrecked against the island. In an interesting twist from the previous wreck, everyone died except for an infant. What? Right? Pretty weird. See, once again, these are legends. Like, I mean, I'm not finding news articles sure, on this. These are I, legends. I understand. But locals from neighboring islands claim that the ghost of the infant's mother who died in the wreck, she is seen walking the island. And she is known as the Grey Lady and is oh. most prominently seen on nights with full moons. Because on those nights, you can hear her sorrowful wails throughout the entire island we as sure, she's looking for her kid. Are we sure it's not the Yorona? Because I feel like she makes her rounds around the world. Maybe she just spent some time on that island? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, she sounds like she's just sad, whereas La Llorona was kind of, it was her own fault. <laughs> <laughs> but not all of the scary stories of the island are about ghosts. In 1969, it was discovered that the then current caretakers of the lighthouse had vanished without a trace. Mm. No bodies were ever found, and no evidence of them surviving has ever come about. There had been a hurricane in the area prior to them going missing, and many think that's the likely culprit. However, there is no telling how long they had been missing since the lighthouse, quarters, and other buildings had already begun to fall into noticeable disrepair. Mm. Either way, due to this occurrence, the local government made efforts to automate the lighthouse, which was achieved in the mid-70s and lasted till it was decommissioned in 2009. Yeah. As of then, though, as of the mid-70s, the island has been completely abandoned. And you can visit it if you want to. <gasps> and people do. Oh, hell yes. Yeah. You have to get a boat to get to the island, but... And then you need a little boat to get close. Yeah. yeah. So since none of the facilities have been upkept, you're pretty much going to find worn down, empty buildings. And apparently some of the lower steps of the lighthouse are missing. Some people say they fell on their own will. Some people said that the government did it on purpose to keep people from climbing up and messing with the lighthouse. Oh, But right. you can go to this island. You can camp on it if you want to. Ooh. And it is in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's 30 miles from the nearest that's island. That's so scary. I think that's the scary part for me. You'd need a really good um, boat captain to get you there. For sure. I'm, I'm assuming yeah. you would probably, you know, you have to take a small boat, so you'd be doing a little private thing. But I don't know. I've always wanted to go to the Bahamas. I think it'd be pretty neat to uh, check camp out. There? Do you want to camp I don't there? know if I'd stay there overnight, but I'd like to go for a day. Like, I think go in the I, morning and... yeah. Eat lunch, see if there's any ghosts. I mean, I think the ghosts would <laughs> show some up. lunch. I think the ghosts would show up at night, though. I Exactly. I think I I would definitely, definitely camp out there if it was a group of us. Like, if it was just you and me. I mean, you and I know how to have fun, obviously. But I think if it was a group of people, I think it'd be a blast. And also, enthusiasts like, like us, you know what I'm saying? Like, who want to maybe do a little bit of a evp session or like something like that i'm so down yeah but knowing knowing us and our friends we'd probably end up being like well, let's have some cocktails out there let's and then just... and then what's gonna happen is one of us is gonna get like injured but we're gonna be on this island in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night and it's gonna be haunted and it's just this is how you write horror movies and you want to do it i know my next story <laughs> <laughs> so but uh that's on so the, apparently there's a lot of haunted stuff in the bahamas uh, and this isn't even the only haunted lighthouse, but 
it's the one I wanted to talk about today because it it jumped out at me. Yeah, I like it. So short, but sweet. It's short and creepy. Yeah, so um, ghost mom and ghost kid, different mom and different kid. No relation. No relation, (laughs) but both victims of... shipwrecks yeah seem to be haunting the island and those two guys going missing like does it make sense that it was a hurricane absolutely but people were saying that the buildings looked like they had been abandoned for a long time like this place looks like so how long were they on the island you what was it i don't know before they Uh, were discovered i mean i mean for a building to fall into disrepair you assume it has to be more than months so i have this feeling that maybe they had been gone for like over a year jeez okay but maybe not. I don't know how. I honestly don't know the specifics for how lighthouses are ran because you got to. I mean, this is before like it was automated. You, you know, you there. weren't dealing with solar power or anything like this. So I don't know how long they could have been gone. And maybe the reason they found out they were gone is the lighthouse literally stopped working because they had left it for long enough. Oh, right. But people said that there was noticeable disrepair. Like maybe they had stopped giving a damn. Mm-hmm. things got bad maybe they killed each other maybe they died maybe they went out swimming crazy it is actually surprisingly similar to some of the plot Very elements of the similar. lighthouse movie and that that um they're also their cabin or wherever they were staying also went into disrepair like they had a mm-hmm. hurricane and everything went to shit like things broke down their water supply was being tainted i mean yeah. it was just like a hot mess for sure yeah however this story doesn't have people masturbating in a lighthouse so Aww, that you know of that i know of so. and i was okay with not reading about that so <laughs> but thank you for sharing but thank me for sharing yeah that was but a really I mean, good story i liked it so that was that was my tropical tear i like it so woohoo so those are our scary stories for today. I wouldn't Makes say... Makes me want a tiki drink. Exactly. I want a tiki drink now. The story did not scare me, but it did creep me out. I think the two guys missing, that was like the... That was the creepy part. That to me was the creepy part too, because a ghost story can just be know. a ghost story. Right. And it wasn't like they just abandoned the island and now they're like living in, in you know, Barbados or Jamaica or something, yeah. um, because they, they disappeared. And they disappeared in the 60s when once again... It was recent enough that you, there would be evidence. That it would these have been reasonable enough, or if they left a note or something, or anything. yeah, it's not like yeah. they would have gotten in like super trouble and been executed for leaving a lighthouse. Right. So um, <laughs> yeah. that one I find particularly creepy. Yeah. Even even if they just died in a hurricane, like a lot of people said, that's still. Can you that's imagine being yeah. stuck on an island alone, just two guys, and then you die in a hurricane? That's a really lonely, scary it's way. Very to die. violent. Yeah. Yeah. Scary. I mean, once again, makes makes me realize if you and me ever do make it to tropical island paradises, we really got to watch the weather. I'm going to be watching it like a hawk. Like, hurricanes, tornadoes, heavy thunderstorms, it all scares me. Yeah, when we drove from Wisconsin to New Mexico, straight shot, it, when we passed... Uh, that Kansas City, there was a the shit out of there was me. that tornado warning. I think, <laughs> we were in the middle of nowhere. We're like, anyway, it was this horrible <laughs> weather. I don't even know if a tornado may have actually touched down, not near us, but oh, right. the weather was so bad. I think a tornado might have touched down. Well, at we some were point. around the area where a tornado could have occurred, but um, there were no tornadoes around us. Luckily. Yeah, yeah. That was but a, the weather didn't seem like there could be. Yeah, when we were in Texas, so the rain violent. and storm was so crazy. We couldn't see more than like five feet in front of us. So I was having exactly. to drive slow. So slow. And we were and 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 there was no one else on the road too, which was good because I mean it meant we didn't have anyone to crash into. But it also meant at times we we're like, are we even going in the right direction? Because we couldn't even read the signs we were passing. It we had no idea so where we were. We're like, hopefully, as long as we don't like fall off a cliff, then not that there was a cliff. It was just flatlands. But still, like we were like, as long as we don't fall in a ditch. 
I think we're all right. Like, as long as we keep going in a road, we have to hit something. Yeah. So let's and just they, keep going. Thankfully, the storm actually, we beat it. Like, we got past it once we got towards closer to the New Mexico border yes. in Texas. All things sudden, start to die in New Mexico. They're like, and stop raining. Well, yeah, it was still cloudy, <laughs> but yeah, it was no yeah. raining. And then I had to pull over because I was so wired from driving What was so it much. that you were seeing in the skies? <laughs> My eyes were so wonked out, and this was the first time I had had caffeine in like five years. Yeah. And so I drank a surge because they actually sold it up in Wisconsin. I was like, oh my god, I, I remember surge. how excited. I've never heard someone get it so really excited didn't taste surge. as good as I remembered it tasting. Well, Mountain Dew <laughs> still tastes like I remember, but surge, I remember it tasting better than that. But anyway, so I had like a 16 ounce surge, and I was driving. And originally, you were supposed to be driving during this part, but you didn't want to drive during the storm. Mm-mm. So I took over. It so I had, happening. I had been driving over the last 24 hours. I had been driving like, how how, how long would you say? How many hours of that would I have been driving? I have no idea. Yeah. A I, lot. I've been driving a lot. And so like I was wired and I was tired and it was like 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. And we had been up since like six in the morning. <laughs> and so, and I was really tired. And all of a sudden I just started seeing random shapes. You were like, we parked. Oh no, you were still driving. We had just gotten in. Where it stopped raining finally, and you were like, "I pulled into a parking lot." You're like, "I have to stop driving. I'm seeing trapezoids." I'm like, (laughs) "Trapezoids." And just to explain, it's not like I was seeing like ships or anything like that. It's kind of like you know how when you close your eyes and then you kind of randomly see weird light pulses or shapes in when your eyes are closed. That's what it was like. It was like glowy, fuzzy, weird. I appreciate your accuracy on like your geometry there because I was like. It was very trapezoid. literally a trapezoid. I'm like, I haven't thought of that word in a minute, but I'm yeah. going to drive now, so it's fine. But I don't want people to think I was actually seeing, like, flying sauce. I wasn't seeing... It wasn't seeing no, things you in the distance. It was my eyes were wonky. You can see it in your eyes. In like, my eyeball, yeah. Right, right. I know what you're saying. And I was like, I need to stop. And so I pulled over, and you were sleeping. So I pulled over, and I was like, I'm just going to sleep for, like, an hour, and then I'll keep driving. I was driving. exhausted from freaking out of the storm, so I just slept. <laughs> well, yeah, at that point, you're just like, no, I can drive now. And then you drove, oh, us, yeah. you drove us all the way home. Yeah, and we We fine. got some McDonald's and Tukum Carry. Yeah, Tukum Carry. Yeah, that's, I don't know. that's the best part of that city, man. It's the ultimate breakfast on your way back home site. It's got a, it's got a good in-between yeah. places. Yeah. It's like Raton, but on the east side of New Mexico. Yeah, exactly. Road trip. Ooh, man, I miss those. All right. Well, we are definitely just rambling on, and people are like, where are we? We're done with this. Um, so with that said, I think we're going to end our episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you guys have any suggestions, please visit our website, hotwpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on social media, Instagram, Facebook, blah, blah, blah. So please, if you want to check us out, we're at, at Hair of the Werewolf or Hair of the Werewolf on Twitter as well. No, on Twitter, we're on we're at HOTW podcast, I think. Mm-hmm. So, because they didn't let me do the hair of the werewolf or something like that. <laughs> I think it was too many characters. Anyway, point being, I hope you guys enjoyed us. And remember that the best cure for a hangover is fear. Bye. Bye.